Making it in business isn't about spreadsheets, this or that. It's about guts, tenacity, and above all, street smarts. Join Sarah Shaw as she talks with successful entrepreneurs about all the hard-won lessons they've learned on the mean streets of the business world. If you've ever felt stuck, stifled, or even just scared to get out there and make your mark, you'll learn how even the most successful entrepreneurs overcame failure and found the power to move forward. So forget about learning about business in school, because all you need to make it big is a street smart MBA. And here's your host, Sarah Shaw. Hey there, Sarah Shaw here with another episode of Get a Street Smart MBA. And I am here today with Adina Gregorio from a uh, really cool company called SW Basics. And she's the founder and creator of this uh, skincare line, which she started out of her kitchen in 2011. And she's also the author of a couple of books, um, Skin Cleanse and Just the Essentials. She's a graduate of the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and she's worked in the wellness industry since 2007 as a private holistic nutritionist, a personal trainer, and a workshop coordinator teaching people about the DIY nature of wellness. Her products are sold internationally and have been featured in Vogue, O Magazine, W Magazine, New York Times, InStyle, Real Simple, Martha Stewart, and a bunch of others, and she's a super rock star and has an awesome line that's sold everywhere. So welcome, Adina. I'm so happy to talk to you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks, Sarah. So let's just dive in and just kind of tell us how you got from, you know, from your studies in the wellness world into creating a skincare line. Yeah, so I, you know, when I was studying holistic nutrition, I was working as a personal trainer, and both things I felt really quickly – uh, were super luxurious and super exclusive, right? It's very expensive to work with a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. It's expensive to work with a personal trainer. Um, and I, that, that kind of bothered me. And it also bothered me that I felt like a lot of that information, partly because of how expensive and exclusive it is, rests at in a very small portion of the population, right? Like a lot of us don't feel mm-hmm. good and we're having a lot of health issues and we can't quite figure anything out. And that's because the information is all hyper-concentrated for a very small amount of people. So I wanted to make that information more accessible, which is why I started doing DIY workshops. So the workshops were really me just going, here's how to, here are the principles of personal training. It's really simple. Here's the information that you should know about nutrition. You know, just kind of giving people the power um, back into their own hands for not, not a ton of money. Um, mm-hmm. And then as I was doing those workshops, one of them was about DIY and natural skincare because that was just kind of a personal, um, like a thing that I was, a challenge that I had had my entire life was I had really sensitive skin and I couldn't use a lot of what was on the market. What I was also finding with clients one-on-one was that they were having the same issues that particularly women, their entire lives, even when you eat really healthy and you think you're being really healthy, you have skin problems for your whole life and you're like, what's going on? Why isn't this getting better? So one of the workshops was these principles that are, um, that I had sort of discovered along the way for getting better skin. And that was the one that really took off. That was the one that made me realize, oh, people have a ton of questions about skincare and they're using products, you know, and this was back, the industry has gotten so much better and it's still not that Mm -hmm. great. But back then it was like you couldn't use any – virtually everything was greenwashed or like lux washed, like, oh, I'm using something really fancy, but it's making my skin free. Yeah. Um, can, I, can I just interrupt for one sec? When you say the yeah. DIY um, 
skincare, you, I mean, you literally mean like go into your kitchen and make it yourself. Exactly, yeah. Okay. So I was making it, and then I was saying, hey, you can actually do this really easily. Like I just came up with a face wash really easily. Let me teach you how to go do that in your kitchen. And people would be like, whoa, awesome. It is so easy. Can I buy this face wash from you? And I would just be like, right. What do you mean? You have the recipe. It's on a printout. You can take it home. Right. Make it um, yourself. They're all <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I think partly I also thought like, oh, there's no way people are going to want products that they can mm-hmm. make themselves. Um, yeah. But I think from the food background, I realized, oh, just because you're not baking your own bread or, you know, every night of the week cooking your own food doesn't mean that your only options should be like Wonder Bread or Domino's Pizza, right? It should be, right. you should be able to go to the shelf and still buy something that's as good as what you would make yourself. Um, and so that's how I started. I just kind of went for it without knowing what I was doing. <laughs> Which is how most, most awesome businesses are made. So basically the story, right, they, these people, you were, you know, like, why can't you just make it yourself, right, because I'm going to show you how to do it. And then basically people just wanted, really wanted you to make it for them and wanted to just buy it off the shelf. So you right, realized right. that you had a really great business idea. Um, yeah. And did you did you actually start out of your own kitchen or did you go right away yes. into a professional No, I did place? kitchen. So I was I was still working full time and so I did my kitchen really for almost 2 years where I was just um selling on Etsy and I was going to local markets in Brooklyn and um yeah, really a lot a lot, a lot longer <laughs> than I wanted to. That's what I'll say. It was and, a while. and so yeah. Well, I mean, and, and it's and it's so no, no. funny. I mean, just because all the businesses I've started to, I've started at night and on the weekends. You know, <laughs> so right. everybody's right. like, "How do you do that?" And you're like, "At night and on the weekends." Um, Absolutely, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And and so did you did you kind of just come up with these formulas on your own? I mean, I mean, I know that you had your your um, education background. But obviously, you weren't taking classes in making your own skincare 101. I, so, I, right. I wasn't taking classes, but I was reading a ton of books, um, a lot of which were super old, had been written like a million years ago, it felt like, and which was another that I realized that made me start doing it is as I was doing research, I realized all of this stuff is really important and I think rings really true for what we should be doing for our skin, but because no one is doing it anymore and because no one's talking about it anymore, it's going to go extinct. Like we're no longer going to be using these ingredients if we keep moving in the direction we're moving in. So I did do a ton of research. Like our cream, for example, was me just like reading online and books and trying to really find, okay, what are the, what ingredients that start in the kitchen cabinet are good for your skin? Why are they good for your skin? What's in them? And then why, what if I just try to stop at the top three, right? If I just pick what I find from research to be the top three ingredients, can I make a cream out of that? And then that's where the cluelessness really came in, which means it was just me putting stuff together, kind of naively assuming, like, this will work. I'll just whip it up yeah. and it'll be fine. And the cream, like, took me, it took me two years to really get the right consistency. That's when I started to learn, oh, the industry is the way that it is for a reason. It's it's very, very difficult to get natural mm-hmm. ingredients and very simple natural ingredients to play nice together, and they kind of force it, right, with other ingredients. So 
it was a lot of trial and error. And that was partly why it was like in my kitchen and on nights and weekends, just because it wasn't, mm-hmm. it really wasn't ready for a long time. Right. So, so once you, you know, once you were testing it and selling it at farmer's markets and stuff, I mean, did you already have all your packaging and everything done or did you just kind of sell it sort of raw looking and then, you know, like in something simple and then when, once you realized that you were ready to roll it out to retail and start selling it on your website and stuff, that you started looking into packaging and, you know, kind of walk us yeah. through a little bit how, how that evolved. So raw looking is putting it really nicely. Uh, <laughs> I'm just that kind of girl. Bought, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bought jars online by Googling and then printed labels. Um, my now husband, who's my boyfriend at the time, was an, was pretty good with illustration. So he was. we were kind of like illustrating and hand drawing. We actually hand drew the labels. I thought it was so cool because I was like, I'm just going to write the name of what it is in, by hand and that's how it's going to really look handcrafted. And now I look back on it yeah. and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe anyone even bought one unit. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we went really, and we went through a lot. The nice thing about going to markets was it gave us the ability to kind of try something new virtually every week. Like we would go sure. back and we would have new caps or new bottles or new labels or we would update the logo or we would just, like we changed the name like we made a lot of changes pricing like oh I would say I would say this is a price you know like I picked price just out of thin air and then realized oh that is not working interestingly it was lower and then I was like I don't understand what's going on let me try a higher price larger size and higher price and then that's when it I was like oh it's working now so just a lot of sort of let me try this, let me tweak this, let me try this. And then it wasn't until, oh, I started going to branding workshops because I was like, oh, this is just a huge gaping hole. I I know what I want the feel of the brand to be, but this is just not something I can't open like Photoshop and do something on my own, so I'm going to have to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, And I met our design, who ended up, the girl who ended up being our designer at, oh, branding, she was giving a branding workshop. So, but for a while it was really just like, us being like, let's write the name by hand on a sticker. <laughs> Ooh, that'll be fine. fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, quote unquote. Yeah, you have to start somewhere, right? You know. Um, yeah. And I've, I've I've done many a many a business card with a hole punched in it, and now that's become my hang yeah. tag. <laughs> Got the name on it. Woohoo! Um, you know, if you can do ghetto chic, then you know it, it can work. <laughs> yeah, if you can do that, you can do anything, right? I don't pretty know. much. Yeah, yeah. And and so so obviously, you know, looking at your website, everything is very polished looking, and you know, it's it looks like it looks like a real company. <laughs> a real company. Um, and. Um, and so, so talk a little bit about like how how you started doing your your sales. I mean, I know you went to the farmers markets and did all that kind of stuff. So then, how how did you start selling? Did you start going online first on your own site or Etsy, and then move into stores, or was it kind of all mushed together? Or was there yeah, a so the horse? <laughs> Etsy was for first, 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 and we it bombed on Etsy. Like if I had if I had used how we did on Etsy as an indication for if we should have the company, I would have stopped because it was just like crickets. Um, Mm. I don't know what made me, I think I would kind of look at Etsy and feel like, oh, this is not, 
the like I love shopping on Etsy, but it wasn't like my vibe as a crafter at the time. And I felt like we were really getting, I mean, and partly maybe this is because, yeah, we were hand-making labels and, like, taking photos with our phones, and it's just not, yeah. Etsy is so amazing. You know, these, these, the products that are on there, it's like a whole other level. I feel like they're, like, above professional. They're, like, their own grade. And so we, it, I had this hunch that we were kind of just getting lost in, like, that we didn't understand Etsy well enough to do well on there. So I, mm-hmm. um, I got the cheapest platform at the time, which was Big Cartel, to, mm-hmm. and switched over and just built out a really simple, like, here's why I'm doing this, and then here's the products. Mm-hmm. Um, and took the one thing I took really seriously from day one was copy. So I was blogging a ton already about, you know, using my background, right, about nutrition, about personal training. And so it was kind of easy to transition and just build kind of an easy, like, product page. And I got – our first wholesale account was actually because at that point I was also working at um, a vegan is a combination vegan restaurant and two locations of a juice bar in the city and they picked up the product. So I was working in the office there and then I was managing the juice bar and they were like, yeah, we'll give you a shot. Let's put it on the shelf and see how it goes. Uh, So I got to kind of experience wholesale, you know, my first wholesale by being on both sides of it, which was kind of interesting, mm-hmm. like sort of getting mm-hmm. to see bringing in the inventory and selling in the inventory. And then it, I think it made me a little bit less afraid to go out and try to find other wholesale accounts. But same thing, it was really like door to door, like I'm going to go email this place or I'm going to call this place or drop off samples at this place. And it was really like painfully, you know, like one at a time, very slow. Yeah. Um, and all on my own, yeah. And still, yeah, still at that point, like nights and weekends, like what can I do um, at night to be able to move this business forward? Like I really waited until we had a good amount of business. I waited until it was so busy that I was losing, that it was upsetting to go to work during the day, that it made Mm, me feel like, oh, I'm not getting stuff done because I'm leaving, you know? And how long did that take? Like how many years in? Um, so it was in 2011 that I went full time, like that I switched over and went full time, but it had already been two years. It was 2009 that I started it in my kitchen. Mm -hmm. So two years before I was like, okay, I need to just try to do this. (laughs) And still terrifying. It's still the scariest thing ever. Of course. Totally. (laughs) And, um, and, and so (laughs) it's all, it is scary to, I remember when I started my first company and quit my job. Uh, I was like, I got, I got an order from anthropology, and I was like, that's it. I'm quitting my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that oh was the God, turning point. So I just decided I was like, that's it. It's um, time. Yeah, I, that's I, really yeah. funny. My, so the thing that made us switch from making it by hand and going to a co-manufacturer was anthropology. I wonder if anthropology <laughs> is like the – they're like the trigger for everyone. Everybody's like, turning point. I'm yeah. real now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. And so you guys, obviously, you're with a co-packer now. <laughs> yes, yeah. So yeah. now we have multiple co-packers, which, you know, is all new, new issues, but is amazing. It's amazing mm-hmm. to not have to do it all. Um, right. But, yeah, now we have. At night. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, although it still happens. I went in, I worked all this weekend to make some new units because our manufacturer couldn't do them in time. So it never really goes away, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because you always got your hands in something, I would imagine, and you're, you know, it might be easier to just get your own fingers on it and dig your hands in rather than yes. pointing, you know. I think particularly um, when it's like what you're used to, you know, mm-hmm, it's kind of like mm-hmm. it's hard to break your habits of what you're, yeah. what you've been doing. Yeah. What do you think your, what, what do you think your biggest mistake was? along the way so far? Wow, that is such a good question. Um, I honestly think that we went too hard too fast. So from the beginning, I felt like we had to say yes to everything. Like we had to grow as fast as possible. Like we had to push ourselves as much as possible. And now looking back, I – of course, all that stuff got us to where we are now. But I think if we could have just like slowed down and let the business. So for example, we ended up taking on investors very, very early because we were pushing the business so hard and moving the inventory so much faster than we actually could keep up with that Mm -hmm. we needed money to sustain ourselves. And I think if we had just kind of like slowed down and told ourselves, like if I could have stopped and been like, okay, hang on, why don't I just fulfill this anthropology order correctly and really, really well. Like, let me do this one thing really well and be patient for the growth that's going to come after that. Um, I think it would have been a little bit less painful. I don't know Mm. that I regret it because even to this day, it's not like I've changed. I'm like saying this out loud and I'm exactly the same person every day. I'm like, but what's next? But what's next? So (laughs) So it's really just like my, it's what I'm like. But I think now, Now, in retrospect, I'm able to be like, wow, I really could have just, like, taken a deep breath and been like, you know what, I'm going to do this over here, and I'm going to say no to this over here, and everything will be fine on the other side, you know? So so really being able to look a little bit more clearly now at your choices and deciding when's the best time to make a move on it, if ever. Right. Sounds like you have the luxury to do that now. Um, which is awesome. Okay, so let's flip it. So what do you, what was, what's been your biggest success so far? I think taking the customers more seriously than we take anything else. I think it's very easy when you have a business to lose sight of why you're doing it and to kind of start getting advice from, like, people with money, from buyers, from marketers, from press people. Like, all that stuff comes at you the second you start a business and it's very easy to get distracted by them. But what Mm -hmm. all that matters is the person that is buying your product and how they feel and do they like it? And is it resonating with them? And are they happy with you? And are they happy with your service? And I think that that's, that's something that I'm able to come back to over and over and over again. I think largely because that's who I was. Like I started this, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs have so many skills ahead of time, but my skill was like, I was a really avid, natural customer. Like, I'm our, <laughs> I'm our customer. And so that's who I always sort of will come back to and will think of over and over again and to make sure to connect with and to make sure that I'm, like, checking in on how they're feeling and what they're thinking. And I think that's what makes it, makes it keep working. At least that's my hunch is that they feel the, sort of the number one feedback we get is, oh, how, like, how seriously they feel like we take them and we really do. Mm-hmm. Do, so do you, I love that. Do you, do you, so do you personally, I mean, or do you, or do you have a team of people or both that really follow up? Like, like, like what's this, like, let's say I come and I buy something 
And then what's sort of the follow-up that you guys do you know, to somebody who's so placed an order? Yeah, so it's, it is at this point it's like a big chunk of the team. There are three people involved in the customer service separately from me, and I'm watching. So I see the customer service emails. I chime in all the time. Um, I write the newsletters still. We follow up with people about like how they liked their orders. If anything's wrong, we are fixing it. I mean, not even from the perspective of, you know, there's all these sort of like cliches, like the customer is always right. Ours is not mm-hmm. so much about that. It's more about like the customer is a real human with real feelings. Mm-hmm. Like I think that some of that stuff almost skips over that. So when someone comes yeah. at us and they're really angry and they're frustrated, it's a little bit about like keep in mind how this person has been treated by companies before and that that's why they're treating us like that. They expect us to, to kind of be jerks in return, right? And so yeah. it's a lot of work to go back to them and to be like, hey, we understand you're frustrated and we're going to make this up to you in whatever way we can make it up to you. Um, and I think that also a lot of that resonates. It's a, it's a lot harder, but um, is also just about all of our relationships, right? So trying to go back to, because in a sense, your, your vendors are your customers, your buyers are your customers. So um, we're all constantly sort of like brainstorming essentially brainstorming our relationships. Like how do we communicate what we need to this person and how do we do it in a way, hey, I'm really frustrated right now. Okay, you're frustrated, so maybe you shouldn't like call this person because right. if you're frustrated, they're going to hear that you're frustrated and yeah. it's not going to go well, you know, and let's, let's remember that we're all like also just like not taking yourself too seriously, right? Like do you need to go mm-hmm. ruin someone else's day because you're frustrated? Right. Like, let's take a deep yeah. breath, you know? Um, right. So – yeah, it's a huge part of it. It's definitely something that, like, we'll forget and we'll be like, you know, you'll get so busy. And, but then I think I'm just good about coming back to it and being like, okay, let's not forget, like, how are people feeling? What do they want? Let's check in with them. Let's send a newsletter where we ask them what they're thinking. Let's go to our top customers and just say hi and send them a product and um, just, like, you know, just keeping them on the forefront of our minds. Mm-hmm. I, I love that you guys do that. Um, it just makes, it just, it warms my heart because it just, you know, you get, you do get so many nasty customer service people. And I actually have to say, I've noticed a lot in the last five months, maybe when I've called companies, regardless, I mean, I don't care if it's a cable company or a product company, um, that the customer service people have been much nicer and much more willing to help. I think, I think it's a trend. Um, yeah. So I think it's a good one to be on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I mean, thank so, God it's a trend, right? Yeah. Exactly. Thanks <laughs> not it's the other way around. Do yeah, um, yeah. Do you guys? One of the things you just when you were just talking about that, you were saying how you reach out to your top customers um, and send them product or different things. Do you use them to test new products? Like send, so hey. we're trying, yeah. So we launched this program last year that we called the Pilot Batch Program, which is like what manufacturers call a test run. Um, and we actually had, we got, we've done it one time. We're about to do it for a second time. It's funny because it's something that I find like really exciting and fun. I'm like, oh, my God, how cool to send stuff that we're working on out to customers who are really interested. And we actually sent out this like, feeler email thinking like, ah, maybe we'll have like 10 people who are really interested in being part of this pilot batch. 
Um, and we got like something like over a thousand responses in 24 wow. hours. So we, so <laughs> it's been a little bit like same as my, the way that I always am, like bite off more than I can chew. Cause now I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's not so much a pilot batch. So that's like a real run. Um, yeah. so yes. Yeah, so we're trying like, to I'm figure thinking it out. 100. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm yeah. like, what can I make by hand? And then I'm like, Oh, I, I'm not going to make a thousand. Um, but we did do, yeah, we're working on deodorant, which is a product that's of course, very, very hard to do natural, very hard to do mm. natural and effective and not have it irritate people. And so that's something that, that I, it was sort of one of the first products where I was like, Oh, this would be a really good thing to test on people who are already loyal customers because I want the feedback, but I also want them to kind of already know the line. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, we're, we're about to do our first shipment. Really stressful. <laughs> <laughs> but exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. Yeah. yeah. And I really yeah. want it to get, I want it to be like a normal part of the company. It's just like, it's so funny when you're like, I have this idea. And then you're like, Oh, this is a huge thing that I'm taking on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just a baby step. It's a ginormous. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. Well, so 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 with all of this, I know that you guys um, are selling in Target, which is super exciting. And I know that they are very. Um, they've been. There's been a lot of articles recently about you know Target um, requiring in the next couple of years all their vendors to be you know natural or organic and get out all the parabens and phthalates and all the bad stuff. And you guys obviously are already there um, in that department. And so can you talk a little bit about what it's like to sell there and, and how that impacts? I know you sell to other small you know, um, salons or boutiques or apothecaries and other stores. So can you talk a little bit about what it's like, the difference, and if, how selling into Target affects those or doesn't affect those sales at all? Yeah, yeah. So it's been an amazing experience. Every part of it has been amazing. And I, you know, I'm, people probably don't know me, but I'm fairly sassy. So I'm not even, it's like, real. I really mean it when I say that it's been amazing. I think that it, meaning they just really, they have proven themselves over and over to be extremely patient, extremely transparent, extremely committed to the things that they say they're committed to. So you know, like behind the curtain, they are what you want them to be, which has been Mm. just such a like satisfying experience because it was a very scary, like when we first went to pitch them, we were like, this is hilarious. This is never going to (laughs) happen. They're going to take one look at us and be like, yeah, you need to get out. Um, And it wasn't like that at all. And I think that that's why it's been sort of over and over. We've kind of braced ourselves for it for sort of like a honeymoon to end. And it, they just have proven themselves to be very committed, which has been amazing. Going back to what, to how it's affected the business and to me jumping the gun, I think it was very early in the lifespan of the business to do something like that. So, and, and kind of atypical, right? A lot of people go specialty um, and or Lux much, bo- much before they're willing to actually go mass. Um, so we, again, were like going back to like all the advice mm. that you get. We got a lot of advice not to go to Target or not to go mass. Um, but I, I wanted to get the product out to as many people as possible. I wanted it to be really accessible and easy to find. And that was my sort of the only criteria I had from day one. So they kind of fit into that, right? It was like, why would I say no to this? This is exactly what I want for the brand. Um, 
so it's been, you know, it's been hard because it's, we're small still. So a lot of like, I can't even envision the marketing budgets that the brands that surround us have in comparison to us, you know, for us, it's like, I have a new book coming out. What should we post on Instagram about it? Like that's the extent yeah. of our marketing budget. So <laughs> what, should we, what should the email say that goes out to our newsletter list? Like, okay, we're done now. We're done marketing. Um, yeah. So I think that it has been – it's the first time that I've – I think that's what kind of made me realize, hang on, we need to take a deep breath and we need to make sure that we are making this business work the way that it looks now. Our specialty mm. retailers are extremely important to the brand. They are the pioneers of the movement. They are the people who have un- didn't need to like didn't need time to understand natural. They have understood natural from day one. They understand independent vendors. They really get you know these are like diehard, exactly like us. Like we we really feel ourselves to be kindred spirits with our specialty boutiques. So we want those to work. And then it's like oh, and then you have this whole other business that usually is the entire business for a lot of brands, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's definitely challenging and it requires a ton of the same thing, like care and effort and thinking through it and going back to the drawing board over and over. Is this working? Are we doing stuff that isn't working? Um, And cash. I mean, cash has been the biggest thing is that you're, you're spending, the reason there's no marketing budget is you're spending so much to just be able to survive. Um, Right. So it's definitely been hard, but I think, I think we're starting to kind of like hit our stride and starting to, you know, we've been able to grow the team. We had, when we first met with Target a couple of years ago, there were three of us and now there's seven of us. So it's getting there. It's just a little bit like kind of chasing behind the growth versus ever feeling like, oh, we're finally in front of it. What should we do next month? You know, we're always like, what do we do tomorrow? <laughs> right. Uh, I'd be like, what am I doing tonight? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so with the, um, you know, so selling into Target and obviously keeping up with your, um, with all your specialty shops as well, do, are you guys, are you required you know, obviously not with the specialty stores, but with Target, are you required to create a certain number of new products a year, or are they just carrying whatever it is that you've got going? Or um, I think whatever pressure there is to create more is self-imposed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it goes back to the same thing. I want it to grow. I want the presence to grow. I want the story to be really full um, in the sense that, like, I don't, you know, it drives me crazy, the idea of people coming to us and not finding some of the things they need and then being like, okay, I guess I won't get them from you. But that Mm -hmm. pressure doesn't come on the target side. From the target Mm -hmm. side, it's just about, are you a partner that that makes sense for us? us, And do you align with what what we're trying to do on shelf? Um, There's no, you know, and a lot of, and we haven't even felt pressure on this from them, but it's like, we're again, it's so hard to think through where do we go next when it's so much work for us to make sure that we're even on shelf, right? That we're sure. running the inventory the way that we should and that we're getting it there on time. So yeah. there's, it's more, I feel like a lot of our meetings with them is us being like, okay, here's what we're working on and here's what we're improving and here's what's coming next. And they're just kind of like nodding, like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, where's the show? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and do you guys, I mean, do you try to roll out new stuff just for yourself? I mean, do you put, bring out new products? 
like a couple times a year or are you? Yeah, so early on I heard, again, someone gave me advice like, oh, the best brands come out with, or brands who are really growing at the correct rate have at least a skew per quarter. These days I actually feel like a lot of brands are pumping out products just faster than anything I've ever seen in my whole life. Like I just Mm -hmm. am shocked at how brands come out and they're like, here's our whole new collection. And I'm like, I can't even make this one item that fast. How did you just make 20 (laughs) new products? So when we first started, it was like I launched the core line. And then in 2015, for example, we launched one SKU that entire year because it took me, because I'm just like, an insane, I'm super perfectionist. It has to be a perfect, perfect product. But also because I'm trying to make these items that are like, how do I do the five best ingredients and make them play nice together? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was one item that year. And I think that's when I realized, well, this is just too slow. I need to like, make sure that I'm putting things into the pipeline. Um, and now we have someone working on business development whose sole role is just keeping me to task on product development. So now what we're trying, so last year what we did, which was also extremely painful, is we launched, we worked all year and then launched four or maybe five SKUs all at one time at the holidays, um, which was great. And it was like a fun reveal and it was nice to have all that time to ramp up to it. But it was very, like, that's so much to handle logistically and to make sure that you're getting it all ready and out correctly and at all at one time. So what we're trying to do this year is go back to the model of like a couple a quarter or, Mm -hmm. but I think more and more what I've been doing is trying to kind of back off of all of the, like, this is what we should be doing and rather going what I was doing at the beginning, which is just a little more of like, Oh, I really want to work on this type of a product. So maybe I should work on it, you know, because then it comes more from within and not a shoulda, woulda, coulda thing. Right, right. Yeah. And it's not as stressful that way. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I love how you guys have on your packaging how many ingredients are in each item. I think that's really clever packaging, by the way. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it just says what it is. So so I just want to talk for a minute about um about finding your specialty shops. I mean, do you guys do you have sales reps or do you guys still do all of the specialty boutiques? sales yourself? I mean, do you feel pressure from your investors to keep growing at a certain pace or? Yes. So mm-hmm. we, of course, I don't, again, I don't know if they're really pressuring us, but the pressure is there for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's no, the second you take on someone else's money, whether or not they're pressuring you, you're you, that you feel that's going to stay with you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to be like, Oh my God, I just took someone's money to do this. Like I can't mess around anymore. Yeah. Um, we don't, so this is something we're figuring out just now, which is so crazy. I think a lot of people from the beginning, they're like, and now I have my sales director. Now I have my broker teams. And we, because we like went, did everything in house and then had this whirlwind of bringing on target, um, where with target, we had a, a broker team that took us and from day one sort of helped us launch in target, thankfully. But because that, took so much of our energy we're just I'm just now going oh wait so what happens if we're gonna really really maintain these boutique relationships then someone needs to be actually maintaining them right someone actually needs to be there to help them and make sure they have what they need they need and then what about oh do we want to do other accounts like now we're just starting to work with Ulta who's going to manage Ulta so we're just now in the stage where I'm 
like interviewing people and trying to figure out, because it's also a really, we're kind of a weird, not so much a hybrid company, but a weird company just in the sense because we're not typical beauty and we haven't gone the typical route. It's a little bit strange. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that probably we couldn't have really had, you know, we've tried, we've had salespeople in house and it's always been really hard and we've transitioned through them really quickly actually, because it's just like, no, but we're not quite going just that route. We also have to go this other route. So I think it makes sense that it's taking us a while to find sort of the right sales strategy Mm -hmm. Um, Mm in-house. But that's like the big goal for this year is like I can't be the only one talking (laughs) to every single person or I'm going to die. Right, and hire 474. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. no, I get it. Uh, yeah, it can be hard. And are you guys in Ulta, some Ulta stores already? So just we just launched uh, on .com this month, actually. So um, hopefully in store in future in the future. But yeah, I mean that's a good example of why it's like I'm, I'm like, okay, we're on we're on .com. Okay, we have to tell people that we're on .com. You know, it's yes. like to then <laughs> also figure out in stores. Like, oh, I can't even stress me out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you out. I don't want that on my job. Um, <laughs> You're like, so, and then um, that interview got really weird. It just spiraled yeah, into then, then she had to and... go take a Xanax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I try to have the opposite effect on people. Um, so you guys have amazing press, and so how how did that start for you? Did you guys hire a press team? Were you doing it for you? Did they just seek you out and? fall in your lap or how did that all get rolling? Uh, so we, the, at the same time that I found designer, which was in 2011, so super early on, I found a PR person. And I think oh. it's one of the other things I would put is like the best thing we did for the brand early on. I found a brand who I, where I like kind of knew the founder through my network. Um, but I just love, I thought she had the best, best placement. And I just reached out and I said, Hey, I don't know if you, if you'd be willing to share your PR person, of course, totally fine. If not, because sometimes people are really a little bit cagey about that stuff, yeah. understandably. Um, but it was in a different industry, and I just was like, I don't know if she's looking for people, if you'd be willing to do an intro. And she did, and that's been our same. So it's one, you know, it's a PR firm, but it's just her, mm-hmm. which I really love because I think that we, we have a really, really tight relationship for that reason. Yeah. And we've been yeah. with her since 2011, and I think that's another thing that's been – really kind of amazing for us is that we're, we've been able to build this relationship that then reflects in the PR relationships, right? So we got a lot of hits early on for being a new brand, but the press has sort of maintained because it's been me and her with them from day one. Like these, mm-hmm. these people, all these editors know us from when I was going to death sides and I was like just so clueless and terrified like physically shaking and now <laughs> like I'm it? like you like it <laughs> yeah yeah and now she we were just emailing about doing like snapchat for um a feature for the book next week and I'm like wow I was actually thinking like wow we've come such a long way that I can just like go hang out with them but you know I at the beginning it was just me being like here's why I started it and here's why you should care and it takes time to really get them to be like okay, like now I really care about what you're doing. Exactly. And, you know, I'll keep talking about it. It's yeah. really, really well, so important, especially for beauty. Maybe not for everyone, yeah. but for beauty I've found it to be really, really moves the well, needle. 
there's so many different products out there, you know, and everybody's totally. got, you know, 50 to 500 products in their line, and there's just so many things. And, and also I think, too, yeah. I would imagine with beauty it can sometimes take a while because if they want to try it and see if it does what you say, you know what I mean? It's not going to happen in 24 hours for the most right. part. And so totally. they're going to want to try it for a couple weeks or a month or whatever their deal is. Right. And then right. uh, and then they're going to want to write about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about your book. Great. What? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Tell us all about it. <laughs> so the first one, um, you know, it's really funny because the first one to me was such, and this is why I say that I'm always like, I think it was, if I had not been writing from when I started the brand, I could not have written a book when I wrote a book. But from mm-hmm. the beginning, I felt like I just had all this information that I wanted to give out. I, was, I also just was kind of frustrated. I really did have this frustration over the industry. Like why, why is there so much information out there that's being held back through like a paywall essentially, right? Like through, right. unless you're going to pay me, it was $100 to train with me. It's like if mm-hmm. you can't access that and then otherwise you're sort of getting online and you're reading, not that there isn't a lot of value to this, but to only ever get information from people who just have personal experiences they're sharing versus actual like training um, right. in an area, I just found to be really frustrating. So the first book was really me just taking all of these ideas, this program that I had been doing with people that resulted in the line, right? So how to simplify your skincare, how to think about your food, how to think about your fitness, how to DIY. It has a huge DIY section in it. Um, and it really was just came from the fact that I had already been, you know, was able to just kind of brain dump everything that I had been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was when, that skin from cleanse when I was in school. Your first book. Yeah, right, yeah. right, skin cleanse. Um, and then book two is really similar in the same sense that I, like, it was the same thing. I was like, what? It's specifically about essential oils. So just the essentials is this guide to essential oils, but one that came from this fact that I was like, why is every book about essential oils either from the 1970s or (laughs) written by, like actually put out by a corporation that sells essential oils, which again, Mm -hmm. maybe that's totally fine for some people. But for me, it was like, that means you're either reading stuff that's outdated or you're reading stuff that's marketing. Um, right. And so I really wanted to go and do that research and really put something out that, again, that modernizes the feeling of working with natural ingredients because if we don't, if we don't update that stuff and keep talking about it, you're, to me it's like so sad that you could be going to the store and shopping and looking at essential oils and being like, I don't really know anything about them, so I'm not going to use them. Um, so we need a lot of people to be talking about them and thinking about them and, and learning and learning so that when you go to the store and if there's not someone there to teach you about them, um, which is, is another shift, right, that these days everyone is kind of like a branded salesperson and you're just like, right. stop talking to me. Oh, my God. Um, so you kind of have to get your education elsewhere to be able to go in and be like, oh, I'm going to try teacher or, you know. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite essential oil? Um, oh my gosh, such a good question. So what have I, I'm like obsessed with all of them right now. You should see my house. I'm such a hippie. They're ever, I'm just like covered in them. So my favorite, I'll, I'll, I'm going to give you two because they're kind of different. My favorite for mood is sweet orange oil. It's the most beautiful smelling oil of all time. It smells crazy good. 
Um, it's like an orange starburst. <laughs> but mm. And what does know, it do for a you? Natural orange starburst. So it's a real a proven scientifically to be a mood mm-hmm. booster. So oh. citrus oils in general uh, have been proven scientifically to help your mood as much as an antidepressant. So you just hmm. open these babies up like lemon and sweet orange and you smell them and you're like, okay, everything's fine. Um, yes. And then, and then Quick, I, I have say, to run out and buy them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then um, for the opposite effect and then one that's kind of nice for skin, um, lemongrass. So lemongrass has a sedative effect is really nice for sleep. I think people commonly think of lavender, but I think actually a lot yeah. of people or I've seen a lot of people kind of be like, eh, I'm like sick of lavender. I don't like it. That I actually think comes from how much lavender scent is synthesized. And so we're not really mm. smelling real lavender, but we're getting sick right. of just like unnatural, okay. nasty lavender yeah. smell. Yeah. Um, but lemongrass has the same effect and it's really anti-inflammatory and it soothes itchy skin. So I've been using this um, oil I made that's just like you can take any kitchen oil. You can take like olive oil or sesame oil add lemongrass to it and then apply it when you're about to get out of the shower and then you go to bed and you feel amazing. Wow. Thanks for the awesome. tips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More in just the essentials, guys. Wink, wink. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, the book is out and it's got a really pretty green cover so you can't miss it. So check it out. <laughs> Has really um, nice illustrations on the inside. Yeah, well the ones on the outside you don't just are really have to read. too. Yeah. yeah. She's amazing. Um, so does social media play a big role in your in your business? I mean huge. I think it's similar to the blogging thing. It's like from day one I was like, how do you reach customers directly? You reach them on social media. How do you mm-hmm. reach them in a way that's different from other brands? Oh, you talk to them like you're a real person and like they're a real person. So I built our social pages when I was when it was just me and I was in the kitchen and I would just be like, here's what I'm doing now or here's what's going on now or here's a blog post I wrote. Um, and same with the newsletter list, which I would kind of count as a similar thing is I just from day one started building out like, oh, do you want to subscribe to get these blog posts? Do you want to subscribe to get news about what we're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but they're huge. I think that for, you know, we're almost at 40,000 followers on our Instagram, which, you know, is slow in comparison to brands that have a lot of money. But I think it's extremely fast for having not spent, you know, a dime on actually getting them oh, yeah. to us. This is just us going on there and being like, hi, here's what we're doing. Do you like it? Yeah. Come to us. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, of course, we're, we're creative as far as, like, we do a lot of giveaways and a lot of social promotions. And But this just goes back to the same thing is that I'm just like, how do we make them want to be there um, mm-hmm. versus just taking for granted that it's that these are channels where who cares? Like, we'll just pay for them to get there, you know? Right. Yeah. And so even now you guys don't do any um, paid like Google AdWords or any paid advertising? So we just at the end of last year, um, so two months ago, basically we hired someone who's going to start on that stuff. But no, we Mm -hmm. just now started. Yeah, like he's starting now to run. We just started running ads on Facebook really recently. We're running ads on Instagram now. And then I think a little bit of AdWords, but we're very, very new to it. And it's, again, like we don't have a lot of cash for it. So 
He'll be right. like, what's my budget? And I'm like, how little can you spend to get right, people yeah. there? <laughs> what's the <smallest laughs> package? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's exciting that you guys have branched out into that. Um, and then I want to ask you one more question. What does yes. SW Basics stand for? Oh, yes. So when we started, um, it was Sprout Wellness. So when I wanted to do mm. just DIY, I thought I was going to do DIY forever. Um, this is like why people trade business plans because I just was right. like, what, I had would have never, if someone had been like, this is what it's going to look like in the future, I'd been like, what are you talking about? Um, yeah. So I just was like, oh, I want, I want it to be called Sprout Wellness because I really want, we had a cute logo with a sprout in it. And I really wanted people, I was really trying to, break away from the feeling of luxury and the feeling of like wellness being really serious. I wanted it to feel really fun um, and approachable. Like I really wanted people to be like, this isn't scary. We're just all going to hang out and we're going to make some stuff. Um, well, and your, and, then, and your prices are really great too. They're not yeah, unaffordable, you. you know. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So um, yeah, so with Sprout Wellness and then as we sort of evolved the line and we sort of transitioned to Sprout Skincare, and then I was like, well, now I'm actually, like, envisioning this future where we do a lot of different products and, you know, where it's a little bit more of just a bigger brand. So I wanted mm-hmm. it to become a little more neutral. Yeah. But, you know, same, same roots, new vision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see That's how well, well I execute on that yeah. vision, but... <laughs> Sounds like you are well on your way, girl. <laughs> no, I, re- I really, li- I really admire you for take, you know, for being able to take the the step back and and constantly. It sounds like it sounds to me like you're constantly, you know, looking at your, you know, where you are and where you could go and what the, you know, the middle steps are and whether you're gonna walk slowly up the flight of stairs or you're going to run <laughs> and, right, you right. Know, and, it, and it does, and it, it does make such a difference. You know, I mean, there are times you have to run, obviously it's where right. people are going to say, do it now or forget it. And you still have the choice. Do I want to or not? Right. <laughs> um, right. And, you know, it just sounds like you guys are plodding forward, you know, slow and steady. And I think, um, you know, it just, I don't know. It just sounds like the, like it fits for you. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and I love the part, too, about your, social, about your um, customer service. Uh, I was just listening to an interview with uh, Tony Sai. Is it Sai? Tony Sai? From mm-hmm. um, Shea, Tony Shea from uh, Zappos. And he Zappos, was really yeah. saying that, that he never really started to – he never intended to start a shoe company. It was more like a customer service company. And, right, and that that's right. still there. Like, you know, I think he owns like two pairs of shoes or something <laughs> and doesn't yeah, care yeah. about shoes. You know, it's all about the customer service. And, um, right. and it's, you know, obviously it works <laughs> because we've right. got a gazillion dollar company. Um, so, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope mine works that well. I will exactly. be very yeah. happy and yeah. feeling right. very self-righteous. Like, <laughs> yeah, he can be the he can be the customer service king, and you can be the customer service queen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> That's right. Well, um, Adina has generously offered a fifteen percent discount code for all of you listeners, so we will post that on the podcast page when it goes live. And um, I just want to thank you so much for spending this time with me and talking about your business. And I'm really excited for you and. Um, I'm going to look for it on my next trip to Target. Thank and, you. Uh, and so then the fun. next time I pop into uh, Ulta, 
and I'm uh, really looking forward to, uh, to keeping up with you and seeing how things are going. So thanks again. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. I'll catch up with you soon. Okay. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to A Street Smart MBA with Sarah Shaw. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes anytime, anywhere. And we'll see you on the next one.